Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed. So I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at DrMomButtBalm.com That's DrMomButtBalm.com or look for it at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about the identity shift of becoming a mom. Have you considered what motherhood means to you and how you're going to integrate that with your current identity? 
How do you feel about the word sacrifice and devotion? Sophie McEntee is here to tell us why becoming a mom can be such a messy process and what you can do to prepare. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thank you, as always, for all the love you give the show and your feedback, requests, ratings, reviews, and just your general support. If what you hear is helpful, you know what to do. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. All right. My renewed episode for today is with Sophie McEntee, as I mentioned, and we're going to be talking about the enormous transformation that happens during the, during the identity shift of becoming a primary parent or mom. Let's get right to it. Sophie, welcome. Thank you, Adriana. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, so exciting. Now, tell us a little, we're going to be talking about the identity shift or that identity crisis of becoming a parent. But why don't, before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a practicing psychotherapist and a mom of a six-year-old daughter, and I co-founded a podcast and online resource for mothers called Honest Mamas. And I'm very passionate about the topic of mothering and specifically really interested in supporting moms on the motherhood journey. Um, you know, their well-being, their psychological health, and their spiritual growth as well. Mm-hmm. And Honest Mamas is a fabulous podcast resource, people listening, mighty ones out there. So if you like this one, I'm sure you'll like that one too. Um, go check Thank it out. You. Yeah, we were we were commiserating, not commiserating, we were being supportive of each other. <laughs> yes, we were, we were. And this is a fabulous podcast as well. And it's just, it was uh, such a delight to see some of the overlap too in our shared passions and interests. Absolutely, absolutely. And since we love talking about this thing, we said, hey, let's get together and talk some more. Yeah. Now, so let's get to it. We've both, you know, we both are moms and I've experienced this. I wish somebody had told me when I was pregnant that, mm. you know, my identity, I was going to have an identity crisis, the identity shift yeah. of becoming a parent because I would have understood what I was going through so much better instead of yeah. fighting it, you know? Yeah. Oh, so much. So Let's talk about what what is that about? What shifts in our identity when we become parents? Yeah, it's a great topic of conversation. And I, I share that uh, opinion, too. If someone had just told me, you know, that this could happen um, because I had a similar experience, I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. Mm. You know, it, it's really a time where an identity crisis can happen. And uh, so to answer your question, I mean, you know, what shifts in our identity when, when we become parents or moms, it's like everything shifts. You know, that's the short answer. Everything really does shift. Um, who we understand ourselves to be, uh, this question of who, I'm, who am I now, you know, um, the qualities that make us up as people, I mean, that's our identity, right? And, and when we have a baby, it just really resets that identity. Everything changes. You know, it's sort of like an existential, spiritual, psychological crisis happening all at once. And we can't really tend to it because, you know, when we become new parents, most of us know is that, you know, we hit the ground running, right? And and we're really caring for that newborn um, and that newborn requires our attention, at least initially anyway, 24-7. 
so the time we had to cultivate other parts of our identity and, and, and who we were before baby, I mean, that, that time and energy is no longer there initially. Um, so it, you know, when those pieces of ourselves aren't being practices practiced and we're not, um, living that life we had before baby arrives, we really start to wonder like, well, who, who am I? Um, and we don't have the luxury of really diving into that question because we're busy changing diapers and feeding babies and being up at night. So, mm-hmm. you know, an identity is also a role that's constantly fluid and changing, um, especially in relationship to our children. So, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's ongoing. It's, it's always shifting that identity as, as a mom or a parent. Absolutely. And from my perspective as a doula, I've always had this notion, and I tell everybody who will listen, that (laughs) birth has to be such an intense, you know, tectonic shifting event, because you need a physical representation of Mm. that change that is occurring inside you. Mm. And I think if you see it that big of like, oh, physically, I can see how this is moving mountains. Wait a second. These moving mountains are going to happen to my identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it does. Like It does. Every aspect of us change. So why don't we break down a little bit of, 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 you know, what things change um, so that... listeners out there have a, a more of a concrete idea of what this means because I really hate when people go like oh after you have a baby ever nothing will ever be the same well mm-hmm. what does that nothing will ever be the same mean mm-hmm. like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and, and I don't know if you'd like to break this down by like physically mentally emotionally or if you have a better idea of how to break it down Sure, I can um, do it but bit by bit here, like we can start with physically. I mean, there's the obvious physical transformation. It's a radical transformation. I mean, we're we're passing life through our bodies and and everything physically that changes in us in order to do that. Um, and and there's there's no going back. there's there's a lot of pressure, you know, and um, you know, the, the social discourse and dominant messages and media about um, going back, getting your body back, you know, returning to this really fit body. I think it's an incredible pressure on women and new moms because really our bodies, how can how can they go back? How can they be the same again after such um, an intense transformation? And so that's that's one thing. Our bodies change dramatically. And and hormonally as well. There are a lot of hormones that, you know, a cocktail of hormones we're, we're trying to negotiate as, as new moms. And, um, you know, it can cause a lot of different emotions to surface. So if we, if that leads us into kind of the psychological transformation that happens, um, we've stepped into a new role as, as mothers. Um, and we inherit what motherhood means in this day and age. Um, and especially in American culture, you know, that's a whole new identity and role unto itself that we step into. Um, and we don't even know it and we ha- we're not even really schooled on it. It's just this invisible sort of role that all of a sudden we inhabit now. Um, and that can be incredibly disorienting. So, you know, you have these emotions you're trying to navigate, really big feelings that are surfacing, um, a new role, an identity that we're trying to integrate 
um, into our our day to day lives, and physically, we're no longer that person that um, we were before we had a baby, and all of this is happening. And we don't often have language for it. It's just we're in survival mode trying, you know, to get a get a shower in or or to get a decent night's sleep. So I don't think these things are talked about enough ahead of time and, and women aren't prepared enough going into pregnancy and birth and new motherhood in ways that adequately support this um, identity shift and potential crisis that can occur. Right. And. You know, one of the things that I hear, like the, the one of the things that tends to be heard a lot um, about the postpartum period is that you end up losing yourself. Like moms feel, especially those who are having postpartum um, mood symptoms, yes. right? Not, you know, because it's a big... It's a big gray area. I don't think you have to be diagnosed to be feeling these things of losing yourself. Like, I I feel Mm -hmm. like I've lost myself. How Mm. can new moms and new parents prepare (laughs) and prevent getting to that point? Yeah, great question. Um, Well, first of all, I think moms lose themselves and parents, dads too sometimes, um, is because I think, you know, first of all, women, just to provide some context here, I think women are really socially encouraged to put their needs and desires, um, others' needs and desires ahead of our own. Um, So if that's our starting point, right, um, becoming a mother and having an infant, I think there's this real need, this genuine need at times to put our baby's needs first, right? So, you know, baby's crying and hungry and maybe you just want to sleep in. Well, you know, there is a reality to having to put your needs aside to really show up for that infant initially. Um, and, and I think what can happen for moms is we can get stuck in this mode of being where we're always putting our needs second, always putting our desires second to show up for our, our babies and children. Um, and I think it's it's very important as as moms um, to honor our needs and for also the the larger collective holding to support moms in this transition so that we can start to find this balance of, you know, showing up for our children um, and showing up for our new babies and also taking care of the things that we need to take care of in ourselves. I think we we can lose ourselves when we've all of a sudden just put ourselves you know, um, aside for too long. I think we can, we, we stop identifying who we are, what we need, what we like. Um, and, and that becomes a real problem because then we, we forget about ourselves and who we are and that can make parenting very painful and, and, you know, lead, but, you know, eventually to, to depression and larger psychological issues. Um, so to answer your question, like how can we, uh, best support moms to avoid this, you know, losing ourselves. Um, I think initially there is a little bit of a shift in losing who we thought we were or who we were at one point. And then this integration period of, um, finding ourselves anew with, with these new skills and powers and, and aspects of ourselves as mothers. Um, but to help mothers in that transition, I think it's really, really important, um, 
to to get that support. One thing that's a practical thing that moms can do um, with their partners, families, or community is to create a postpartum plan. I know lots of parents uh, put a lot of thought and energy into creating birth plans. But it's also really important to create a postpartum plan. And this is a plan that can include, um, you know, plan around rest, plan around food, plan around, you know, when does mom get to shower? I mean, they seem like little things, but I think they're ways of supporting oneself that's not often thought about in the pregnancy phase um, when we don't really truly get the nitty gritty of what it's like to be a new mom. And those really basic um, needs are so important, often get um, shelved in those early days. So planning around those essential basic needs for mom around food, rest, um, grounding practices, Um, you know, whatever that is for each mother, maybe it's, you know, just getting outside and getting some fresh air and taking a walk, or maybe it's a a yoga practice or a meditation practice. Maybe it's reading a book or having a conversation uh, with a trusted friend. But, you know, as a psychotherapist, I know whenever there's a big uh, transition, life transition, it's really vital that people get to rest and have ground. Uh, just grounded practices in order to integrate that transition. And we know as new moms, we don't get a lot of time to to um, luxuriate in that integration time. But it's really key. It's really key in, in trying to um, integrate this new identity with who we were before. And that's really important for our psychological well-being and um, just our overall happiness as a, as a new mom. Yeah, no, absolutely. So much so, because if you don't take the time to actually sort of take a step back and look at what you're going through and take the moment to, you know, be mindful about it and think like, mm-hmm. huh, what does this mean for me? You just, as you mentioned, you get swept away in the feeding every two to three hours and 24 hours a day for six to eight weeks like that is that's a (laughs) really hard challenge um and I'm so happy you mentioned the postpartum plan because I am I not only am I a big believer of postpartum so plans I am such a big believer that that's what I like if you sign up on my website Mm -hmm. That's what you get. I give you a free postpartum plan. So listeners, if you want to go do that, (laughs) birthful.com, you'll get a plan there. Um, So important. Yeah. And it goes, it is page by page, like considering your nutritional needs, considering your sleep. Where are you going to sleep? How are you going to sleep? You know, are you going to divide and conquer? Will you take shifts? Who's going to take care of the pets, of the diapers? Like it does go into the minutiae. Yes, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Is, All of those details are so important to talk about ahead of time with your partner or family. It's, it's, you know, we don't think about it before, but when you're in it, it's, you know, it, it's really about making or breaking your day or your moment, you know, whether or not you, you get that extra hour of sleep. It's so vital. So, so vital. So yeah, I am such a big believer. And we're going to continue talking about this identity shift, but we have to take a little break. We'll be right back. And we're back talking about the identity shifter, identity crisis that could happen when you, that usually happens when you become a parent. Um, And so 
Let's talk a little bit more about how, in our cultural idea of motherhood,、mm-hmm. how usually you're expected to put your needs and desires in the back burner or put others'、right. needs ahead of yours. So it can be that when you're feeling like, ah, I don't want to be with my baby, like that give and take,、uh-huh. then you get a whole set of because you have this imposition of what I should be this kind of mother,、mm. guilt comes along. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's a really great point,、um, because I think there there are social pressures of how we should mother, you know. And、um, the reality is, it can look so many different ways, and it's really pretty messy,、mm-hmm. you know. And th- it's just there are a lot of conflicting feelings.、Um, it's a big adjustment period. Sometimes we love our baby. Sometimes we want to run away from our baby. Um, and for most people, it's really difficult to hold these、um, conflicting realities at the same time. And so, you know, a lot of moms might think there's something wrong, like, you know, I should be happy,、um, my baby's healthy. Why do I feel this way? It should feel different. You know, we do a lot of should shoulding, right? Like we're we're shoulding ourselves into a reality, like it should look a look a certain way and feel a certain way. Um, and we're measuring it against these social,、um, you know, representations that are just really limiting and inaccurate and and unfair.、Um, th- these social messages of how mothers should feel and behave, and、um, and all the, you know, just all of those、um, ideas of how it should be. It's just a really painful setup for mothers to feel like they're failing,、um, when that's really not the case. It it's just a really Messy, emotional, complicated transition, and I think for mothers just to know、um, that it's it's okay that it it's it's not feeling quote unquote perfect,、um, and that doesn't really exist anyway,、um, and and to have a lot of compassion for yourselves in this transformation and this transition. Um, yeah, because that's going to help if if we can kind of be kind and gentle to ourselves, and and to know that most mothers are going through a similar experience in that way of of adjustment. Absolutely, no. You need to like take the time to integrate and be gentle with yourself. And I love how you said that it's a messy period. Like、mm-hmm. this is a transition. You're in flux. It's gonna be messy. You like you,、yes. you can't transition without it being messy. And finding、mm-hmm. your new identity. So I think normalizing that and letting people know that, you know, just just try to be open and have some grace with whatever it's happening. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it. I think it's just always mess. Parenthood is a messy journey. It really is. And、uh, you know, hopefully we learn and we learn from our mistakes and lessons. And I think it's you know, parenthood is this.、Um, Um, you know, it's a it's a setup for failure. It, that's part of it. You know, we we have to make mistakes to learn and to grow, right? I mean, part of what we talk about in Honest Mamas is is we have so much permission for you know, say our our toddler or our, our you know our our new toddler who's just walking, right, and just learning how to walk, and they stumble and they fall and they fall on their face sometimes, and we're we're not over top of them judging and 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 criticizing them for it or saying that they should be doing a certain way. Like there's this generous spirit of love and kindness and 
and patience in them. And, you know, as, as new mothers and parents, if we can, um, really allow ourselves to have that same type of compassion and kindness towards ourselves when we're messing up, because, you know, we're learning with every stage our child goes through developmentally, we're learning too, um, of how to, how to meet our child and, and, and to find some balance in it all. So yeah, yeah, loads of compassion for this journey. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about the, the label of mother and mm-hmm. how, like, so up to the time you become a mother, that label is not yours. It is your mother. Right. Mother yeah. was never you. It's your mom. Mm, good point. Right. Yeah. And then suddenly it's yours and you have to figure out how you put on that suit. Yes. So that like my question is twofold. Like, what do you do with that? And also, mm-hmm. how do you bring that in and integrate it and connect it and not lose your other labels uh, of you know, a partner or an individual or a career person or, you know, a woman or even a sexy woman, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic question. Um, Well, the first part of that I'll answer by saying, I think it's so important for um, women who are planning to become pregnant or are pregnant to really do some exploration work around um, their own relationship to their mothers. Um, and even their own birth, um, and how their mother experienced the birth, because some of those, um, some of those experiences can just get unconsciously passed down. So it's just really important to do a little psychological work to unpack, um, you know, how, how we understand, uh, a mother to be, you know, and, and like you said, a lot of that is often based on our own um, experience of our mothers before we become mothers, right? So, you know, just to ask yourself some some questions, like do some loving research um, and exploratory work around what does a mother mean to me? You know, what what do mothers, um, you know, what, what are mothers' self-care practices? Um, what does it mean to be a mother? Um, what does it... Um, you know, mean to relate to a mother, just, just some inquiry around how you hold that idea of mother, um, in your mind and heart. And, and some people often get surprised by that inquiry. Um, and, and often people realize that they've been holding these unconscious ideas around what, who, uh, or what a mother is. And, and it doesn't quite match with the type of mother that they want to be. So, um, so then that another exercise could be like, well, how do I want to show up as a mother, right? You ask yourself personally, you know, how, how do I want to mother my child? Um, and and what do I want that experience to look, feel like, and, and be about? Um, so it's an interesting exercise to do just to kind of compare those different inquiries with one another. Um, and also, you know, we do when we become mothers, we, we don't only, um, start to practice what we've inherited from our own mothers, but we start to parent in ways that, that we want to parent and the ways that we want to mother personally, because, you know, although sometimes we, we get those moments of like, oh my gosh, I just said that. That's exactly like what my mother said. Right. So we also are (laughs) so many times, but we're also not our mothers. Right. So there is that difference that's trying to come through. So, um, 
And I also want to add a third piece is that we also inherit this sort of collective understanding of what mother is, right? That's very specific to this day and age and culture. And that, you know, we also inherit baggage with that. Um, so, you know, how, how mothers are structured politically in this society um, and, and socially and kind of the missing gaps of support at, at that political level or um, the social level. You know, there's, there's stuff we inherit that, you know, that isn't entirely well. Like there, there are some real gaps in, in, um, in those roles and, and, and hopefully, you know, things will be changing and are changing in certain ways. But I think that was surprising to me too. It's like, Oh, right. Like, you know, there, you know, there's no paid maternity leave here in, in, in America and it's certainly not adequate. Um, so little things like that, that I think do make a difference to how we collectively hold the motherhood experience. So it can be incredibly complex. There, there are a lot of different threads of, um, what it means to be a mother. So, um, whether we're aware of it or not, we're, we're trying to integrate all of that, um, between diaper changes and on little <laughs> sleep. And, <laughs> um, so to, a to answer the second part of your question around how do we stay connected to these really, um, you know, beautiful parts of ourselves that aren't just a mother, right. Or aren't mothering only, you know, we're also, um, you know, we're also sisters and partners and friends, and we have relationships to ourselves. We have interests, we have desires. Maybe we had a career before baby, or maybe we're still trying to negotiate career with baby. So all these other dimensions of, of who we can be as women, um, you know, there, we go through growing pains around that. We sure do. And, uh, and part of your question is how do we stay connected to those places? Um, you know, I think initially at first to be compassionate and know that we might not, we might lose connection with some of those parts and, and that's okay momentarily and in time to trust that, you know, there will be a way that we can integrate those aspects of ourselves that still matter to us back into our day-to-day -day life. And, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning even, you know, um, my daughter's six, it's like, okay, well, how do I be how do I be a mom today? How do, how do I be a wife today? How do I, you know, reclaim a new wave of my sexuality today? Um, so it's always, um, it's, I'm always in question in questioning mode with it. Um, uh, it's not a, not a fixed or static thing. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know, what you were saying of, being a parent being a messy situation and how just having kids is messy and I think it all starts that that need and you know sort of the uncertainty that comes with being pregnant with birth with having yeah. like before that when you're just you your individual with your partner we tend to have very in our westernized culture where we value individuality and having just we have choices for everything so we can get you know the shoes mm. with the red polka dots in light right. green number three <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we get to that level of controlling specificity that sets us up to be really bad at dealing mm. with uncertainty and going with the flow right and i exactly and and i feel like that is the basis of 
becoming a parent because it's not like, you know, some things will return. Some things you'll be able to get back to, like the gym. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Some yeah. things are gone forever and you should, you know, do what you need to do to mourn that and move on because otherwise you're just fighting the whole process. Mm, yeah, it's so true. Well, I think I think we do naturally let go of some things that don't serve us on the motherhood journey or the parenting journey. Um, and I, I think you're correct. And like, you know, we live in a, a highly individualistic society where, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be a lot of me, 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 iPhones, and it's about the individual, right? And I, I don't think that, um, you know, this Western society really sets uh, parents up, or, or in this case, when we're talking specifically about mothers up, um, for the very real characteristics and practices of being parents. I mean, I, I think about, you know, two key, um, sort of postures required to be a parent and one is sacrifice and one is devotion. And, and I remember becoming a parent and, and very surprised about the level of sacrifice and devotion to this little being in front of me and thinking like, wow, I haven't, I haven't really been on a path in my life or felt really adequately supported by the society to really drop into sacrifice and devotion. I mean, Um, and, and it's a tough transition when, when we haven't been in that mode of practicing those in this culture of, um, in this dominant culture, Western culture of, of practicing those things. Um, I do want to, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I want to dive deep into the sacrifice and devotion. Cause you just saying those words, like didn't like already my body, I could feel it not feeling right in my body. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Because yes. it is such a like, we're not sacrifice and devotion. What? So let's take a quick right. break and, and we'll come back to talk more about that. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. And sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments. Which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorns roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy-peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. 
tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. All right, Sophie, we're back. Yes. No. Yes. I mean, this idea that parenting requires sacrifice and devotion, of course it does. If you're mm-hmm. a parent, you know this. Yes. But I don't think that I, and I don't think a lot of people, when they're thinking, oh, I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to be a mom and all these things, <laughs> ever think, oh, I am going to sacrifice so many things and be <laughs> devoted absolutely to this kid. Like that no. concept of I am, you know, we don't say vows to our child of oh, we do yeah. like in sickness of in health if we got married mm. um, to our par- to our partners, but we don't go like. In, we're going to mm. sacrifice and devote yes. to your little kid when we yes. become a mom. That's a like, great point. Oh, my goodness. Because yeah. if you, even though we, I do sacrifice and devote to my child, just the thought of having to sacrifice and devote to anything, just mm. like my body automatically clenches up. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I think there's this understanding that if we do that, that we lose ourselves. Mm-hmm. That somehow it's it's all about other, because I I don't think um, in the dominant discourse we're really shown how to stay with self, honor self, and show up for other enough, mm-hmm. and it's that to me is the is the um, is the core the core practice of parenting um, is how do I show up for myself, how do I honor myself, and how do I show up for this this being in front of me. And to me, that seems like a spirit, that's a spiritual practice. It really is. And, and, um, I was not prepared for that coming in. I don't, I don't know if most people are prepared for that practice coming in. Um, it certainly was not the way, um, my parents did it, you know, and, and they're very loving people, but did they have this, this practice of how do they show up for themselves and also for me in this really balanced, uh, healthy way? No, I don't think it's been modeled for us. 
Um, and, and I think it's a really important, um, way of showing up as parents, you know, how, how do I, how do I honor where I stand and what I need and also show up for this little being before me? Um, and, and the devotion and sacrifice, um, well, just the devotion, the devotion is the love, right? Like I will continue to show up over and over again for this little being, that's that devotion. You're devoted to that, to that child. And the sacrifice is, okay, there are going to be times where I put my need to the side, but how do we do that? How do we skillfully put that need to the side, but not abandon ourselves completely? Because I think that's coming back to the topic. I think that's where we, we lose ourselves. It's like, okay, well, it's this person's need or my need. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's the, the, um, the, the society that we've grown up and that's that polarity, right? It's, it's them versus me. Do they get their needs or do I get my needs met? And that's, that's what we come to, I think, as parents, which is incredibly unfortunate and painful because it's, it's not a healthy way to parent. It's not a healthy way to live. Um, and inevitably someone loses themselves in it, right? Right. Or, Or there's resentment that comes up. Exactly. There's resentment. So how do we show up to that moment of parenting our child where, okay, this today is that day or this is that moment where I do need to sacrifice that, that need. You know, I, I can't, I can't go to the movie with my girlfriend or something because my, my child is, is sick today and I need to be with them. Um, or I have to take a day off work or, or whatever it is. Um, that's that sacrifice. But to do it in a way where we're not completely abandoning ourselves and sacrificing our entire identity, all of who we are to be there for our children is also not, obviously not a service to ourselves, but also not a service to our child. Mm. And I think it's hugely (laughs) important um, for the same reasons that you were saying just recent, just, you know, a few minutes ago about how Mm -hmm. we have not culturally, this hasn't been modeled for us. Mm -hmm. We, I think, it's only more recently that it that things are starting be, to be questioned on a broader spectrum, not just in specific, you know, society pockets of mm-hmm. this is not right. This is we're, this is not working. We've got, you know, one in seven or more parents are having some symptoms of postpartum mood disorders like we're the system's not supporting. We're, we're finally getting to that end of the yes. rope, right, where we're like, yes. no, this is just broken, messed up the system at every point what do we do to change it and so by just taking that step back and going I am going to introspect I'm going to integrate I am going to pay attention and choose and know that sometimes I'll make mistakes often I'll make mistakes but Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay attention be mindful about what I'm doing because Mm -hmm. I am also modeling it for my child right that's gonna start making some big changes I agree. I really do believe so. Yes. And, um, and I think in that process, it can get messier. Mm. And in that process, um, you know, the more awareness we bring to it, it it also can become fodder to like beat ourselves up about how, well, we're not quite getting it, you know? So I think extra compassion in this process and this mindfulness, the more we become mindful of these ways in which, um, 
you know, we may be abandoning ourselves or we may be dropping our kids like this dance, right? How can, how can we get that we've inherited something that's, that's really messy and wasn't adequately modeled for us? And how do we have a lot of compassion for ourselves in, in, you know, writing that balance and, and doing better for the next generation? I mean, I'm not sure, I'm sure there, there could be cultures around the world that, that do this differently. But what I do know, um, you know, having lived in America and, and, and growing up in North American culture is that it, it's, it's been broken. It's been a broken system. And I think the way, excuse me, we hold, um, excuse me, mothers in this, in this society, the dominant society, there's a devaluing of mothers that happen, um, collectively that, um, is incredibly painful. And I think that's seen at that political level where we're not giving adequate time or resources to mothers in, in these times of transition. And I think if that was held at a larger level, um, that that would trickle down and really communicate to women that, you know what, this is a difficult time. Mm. And, and we want to support you at a political government level. We care and we're going to provide resources during this time of transition. So it does doesn't have to be put on mothers alone, that responsibility, like another thing to get, another yeah. thing to master, another thing on the things to do list to get perfect. Um, that it, uh, that it, there really needs to be this call to action for the larger collective at all these different um, sociopolitical levels to step up and really start taking better care of mothers and parents. Yeah. And what a hit to your identity in this shift that not only are, you know, the message that you're getting socially, culturally, politically, is Mm -hmm. that as you step into this role, your identity shifts to a devalued state. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And and the psychological challenges of that, you know, it's um, you know, there there isn't enough support at that that meta level. And then all these incredibly difficult um, feelings and emotions to navigate, like internally, you know, I mean, you know, you could have been a very independent, career focused um, woman before you got pregnant and have this child. And, you know, and, and, and this idea of being independent, right? I mean, when you have a baby, this whole concept of dependency comes crashing down on you, mm. right? So another another tricky thing to negotiate um, in terms of identity is you know have a, a like a dominant culture that really supports independence. You have a life that really practices independence, and then all of a sudden, you have this little being that's incredibly dependent on you. And all these feelings internally of needing to depend on community, family, and even a larger um, political system. There's this need for dependence on that. And that's completely healthy. I think completely okay. But I think this is where we fail women, right? We don't, we don't, and fail mothers specifically, we don't really get how much uh, support moms need. And so instead of going, okay, I'm feeling all of this like, dependency stuff, which is tough for me to negotiate personally. And I turn around to see my community, family, and larger society holding for this dependence. And there are drops in the system. And that's where women 
uh, falter and feel unsupported and then start to blame themselves for that. Yeah. Like I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. This, I'm inadequate. this is about yeah. me. I'm inadequate. Yeah. Because... What do we do with all those feels? Oof. Well, you know what? It's so important to let them come because any transformation or change in a larger collective or paradigm shift that I've witnessed is initiated by people that are getting pissed off, upset, and, and saying, this is not right. Something needs to shift here. So, you know, to let your upset come, to let your anger come, to have compassion, compassion for yourselves, to know that there's something larger happening here that isn't just about you being, quote unquote, a bad mom or not getting it. You know, um, so to sit with some of those feelings and to find a trusted friend, a counselor, talk to a family member about what's going on, join communities. There are so many fantastic communities now, um, whether it's online or in um, your community of, of like minded women that, you know, I mean, sometimes this can happen in moms groups. But my experience is with some moms groups, things things can stay a little um, on the surface, but really find those community of moms that are willing to have those harder conversations and that welcome the grittiness and the messiness and some of those harder feelings um, around the motherhood journey and that makes space for, you know, feeling like the, you, you want to cry like a lot or you feel these upswells of rage and you don't know where it's coming from. Um, just to find trusted people and, and friends to connect with and other mothers is, is really key. Um, and again, lots of compassion for yourself because this is, you know, this is also a bigger problem, um, that we're hopefully going to change soon. Um, mm. and to do a lot of breathing and grounding as these big, intense emotions start to come through. Yeah. Because it's and, a physical thing too, right? They're the they're the hormones, but you know, don't listen to anyone who says it's just hormonal. No, because there are some major issues here that you're feeling as a new mom that that are about um, these bigger structures that are that are broken. Yeah. And it's like all is happening to you at the same time because you, you know, like we mentioned in the beginning, you've got a kid who's dependent on you 24-7. You don't yes. get a break. It's like a torturous boot camp. That yeah. every yes. day's waking the hardest up every... boot camp. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, and, and at the same time, your body's recovering from being pregnant for nine months, for 40 plus weeks. It, absolutely. And this is not even to mention if, if there's been trauma in yeah. the birth or, or complications or, um, you know, so yeah, physical recovery, even if, if, if some women have had a cesarean birth, um, you know, that's major abdominal surgery women are recovering from. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of factors that can potentially go into this transition time that can seriously rock an identity. So, yeah. I, I want to officially tear down the concept of the superwoman that can yes. do it all and have it all because that is a trap that is letting us all down. Mm -hmm. So if you're out Absolutely. there listening and you think, oh, I'll just do this and, you know, I have my super career and I'll have a baby and everything. Will... No. So do yourself a favor and let go of that idea. Yeah. Oh, amen to that. Yeah. And I gladly join with you to just tear down that concept of superwoman. I, um, you know, cause I'm all about, um, mothers living their most empowered and express life. 
But I think that's very different than feeling like you've got to do it all and be it all. Um, and and I, I think there's a, an incredible social pressure and an unrealistic standard that women should, should um, you know, should do it all. And it's a painful, painful setup for burnout in moms. Um, and this messaging, um, you know, sent to mothers, they can have it all or it, it, and that, and that not only that, that they should, that mm. somehow that's the new standard for a mom that they should be doing it all. And if they're not, that somehow they're failing. And, and my experience of, for this, like, uh, social pressure in myself and what I see in friends and colleagues is that, that there's this frantic race to have, to be, to do more. And that's not necessarily better or, or, um, fulfilling. Um, and it doesn't equate to more fulfillment. I think it, it equates to more suffering. And I think the reality is it leads to burnout and my experience of, of witnessing, um, you know, this, this type of super mom mentality is there's often a deep, deep insecurity and fear that drives this race and messaging. And I felt it in myself and I, and I see it in other mothers, um, that, that really at the core of it is, is an insecurity, hmm. you know? Yeah. And then because we're being judged and we've got the mummy, mommy wars going on and we have totally. society telling us all these things in a time where we're most vulnerable and figuring yeah. out all these things and shifting and not knowing who we are and lacking the confidence and like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly overwhelming. It's like it's like this setup and this message to be absolutely perfect when the reality is there's so much wrong and broken with the system. Mm. And then, and, and to put those things together, I mean, no wonder postpartum happens, you know, it, it's, postpartum it's mood disorders. Yeah, yeah. Postpartum mood disorder. Sorry. Happens. Like, I mean, depression, it's no wonder, no wonder it's, it's a, it's a recipe for it, I believe. Yeah. Can we also talk about this, the, another concept that is the, 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 just what you were talking about triggered in my brain is this mm -hmm. idea of the fantasy that we create mm -hmm. in our minds of what the mother we're going to be and the baby we're going to have and the life we're going to lead and mm -hmm. what happens when that matches, you know, when, when you actually have the baby and have, mm -hmm. are in the, those first few weeks and months of motherhood and how that reality does not match up with your fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. I think there is an adjustment period because we all dream, right? We all have ideas of how something's going to be and, and motherhood's obviously no different. Like, um, and, and depending on your path to being a mother too, some people struggle with fertility issues or some people choose a path of adoption or, you know, um, there's so many ways of becoming a mother and we all have this idea of what it's going to be like on the other side. Um, and, and understandably, right. We're maybe dreaming for this experience of, of being a mother. And then when we get there and we arrive there, um, you know, the reality doesn't measure up to the fantasy and, and there's inevitably an adjustment period that happens during that time. And I think for a lot of women, it can bring up grief. And I think that's totally natural and normal. Um, in any time we have an expectation or an idea of how something's going to be and then how the, it's actually met with reality. Um, 
you know, we can grieve that fantasy or that idea of how it, it should be, or we thought it should be. Um, and so just to be gentle with yourselves, to have a lot of compassion for that adjustment period, it may take a few weeks, it may take months, it may take years, um, just to really um, be kind with and and um, allow yourself to have those moments of what you did dream or fantasize about to to find new versions of it in in the reality before you and to let all your feelings um, get a place at the table to be there as you transition into what is actually real before you. Mm, so much. Yeah. Because it, it is so hard. It is so hard to like just accept what you're going through mm-hmm. and not the idea like and, and step into that instead of <clears throat> fighting it and and try mm-hmm. to figure out how to live it and then you know improve it if there's things you don't like about it right yeah yeah and to know that you have agency in it that you know it might not measure up but this isn't uh, a reality necessarily that you just have to live with it in in a victim way like end of story but that how to find your agency in creating um, something that you are really fulfilled by with, you know, what you're given, um, and what the reality looks like Yeah, to work with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie, one last question. How can this identity shift affect Mm -hmm. your relationship? Because this isn't happening in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. It's not just you. Usually, you know, you have a partner that's in here, this with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's such an important, uh, topic and, and in a really important thing to discuss with your partner, um, because that transition from two to three is it, really one of the most profound challenges a couple will ever face. I think is is letting their relationship grow to that to that you know number three, because you know you have less time, you have less communication, you're on less sleep, you know possibly less money or freedom, um, and less time to really cultivate the relationship that you have. Um, and, and less privacy. And I think all of these things can be really taxing on a relationship. And especially when I think, um, you know, in this day and age, uh, North American parents feel, you know, they're bombarded with information. I think they're very overworked and potentially overwhelmed. Um, that, you know, it really takes time. It takes time to adjust to these these new roles and these new identities in your family and to welcome in this little this little baby, um, you know, and to and to find what the family, how the family uh, rhythm is and and what it feels like to be this family of three. <clears throat> and it does take time. It can take weeks and months and sometimes years just to find your your bearings again. Um, and uh, and you know, parent parenthood in general, it's it's this real emphasis on routine predictability and regularity, which initially can be a bit of a, an intimacy killer with parents, right? Um, those things, those, that, that kind of routine predictability and regularity doesn't necessarily set couples up for that sparkly romantic connection. Um, so just to be again, kind and gentle with that transition to, to try to have as much communication with your partner as possible about some of the struggles or challenges that might be coming up. Um, and also becoming new parents or first time parents, I think it can bring up a lot of, um, emotional triggers in, in a relationship because, you know, both partners have a way of, of, or an understanding of what it means to be a mom and what it means to be a dad. And again, that might not be an accurate match with, with how your partner is showing up. So I think that can stir up 
potential feelings and triggers from the past or even your own experience in your in your family of origin. So again, just a lot of different uh, challenges to navigate with your partner. And it can also be a time um, of incredible celebration and beauty and, and bonding with a partner as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we don't want to be like, hey, your identity shift, <laughs> check it out. You're screwed right. now. You're a right. parent. Welcome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to eternal sacrifice and devotion. Yeah. <laughs> right? But but right. I think the more you even know that this is going to happen, then you can prepare mm-hmm. for it, be ready, and, right. and join up as a team with your partner yes. to yes. move forward through what you're going through and, you know, like really make it so that it brings you closer together. Right. It's it's the whole information is power. I think yes. that's the point of the podcast episode here is that we just want to give a lot of information and give people the heads up because, you know, I think we were both moms that were like, why didn't anyone tell us, you know? Right. And so I think to me, this is um, an answer to that call, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We want you to know. So mm-hmm. that you know that A, it's normal, B, you'll survive it, and C, here are a few things you can do to make it a little easier. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, so good talking to you, Sophie. Um, what other resources or books or anything that comes to mind as if people want to dig deeper into this topic? Mm, yeah, great question. Well, I'll definitely um, let you know of some books uh, and then you can maybe add those to your, um, show your notes. episode notes. Yeah, yeah, your show notes. Uh, but, you know, the main thing I would say is to find community. I think we get really uh, locked into um, trying to do this on our own and even going online and doing the research. I mean, it just it's so important to connect with other moms. It's so important to find those pockets of communities in your um, your towns and, and where you live um, just to reach out out it I think it does make the the transition a lot smoother mm-hmm. and if people want to follow what you do connect with you and learn more how can they do that yeah I'd be happy to share that information so um, our website is www.honestmamas.com and you can go there and check out our podcast we also have an online e-course that supports moms um, at any point in their motherhood journey but specifically and in particular um, during the the initial days of that transition fantastic Sophie thank you so so much for being here today oh such a pleasure thank you so much Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful, so come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2019 by Adriana Lozada. Hey, mighty one. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much Birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.